the Second Amendment. And never, ever forget that all gun control laws are nothing less than overt acts of aggression against the American people and their rights. Exercise your rights in a safe way. Stupidity to think that someone hell-bent on violating the law against murder will magically be stopped by a gun control law. Politicians that infringe on our God-given rights, he calls them out, he's not here to play. Well, you heard the man. He said it twice. Let's go. We are locked and we are loaded on the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. This is the podcast all about firearms, the Second Amendment, and all things pertaining thereto. And you know me. I'm Royce, your host. Yep, still reeking of gunshot residue and toxic masculinity. And just a tantalizing whiff of the cologne of my people. Hops number nine. You know it, baby. Got another great program in store for you. Have a great guest we're about to get into it with here. And uh, so pay attention. Go get you a sandwich. Get something to drink right now. Uh, that way you ain't got to get up during the conversation later. If you want to send me a message, you can shoot me a message at uh, Shooting Straight Radio. Uh, the Shooting Straight Radio podcast page on Farcebook or Royce at ShootingStraightRadio.com. If you'd like to be a, a Patreon sponsor of the program for as little as $5 a month, Patreon.com forward slash Shooting Straight Radio podcast. Get some cool merchandise plus media content that nobody else gets. And first dibs on all the podcast episodes. So check it out there. Now, before I bring the guest on, uh, I most of you already know how I feel about any kind of concealed carry permit program in any state, much less in a state that calls itself the gunshine state and yet leases people's rights back to them in the form of a permit. I'm not a fan of the permitting program here in the state of Florida. The only kudos that it will get from me at all is that it has given the people a means to at least carry a firearm and defend themselves. And we, the people of the state of Florida, have dropped the violent crime rate in this state by close to 60 percent from 1995 all the way to 2012. So we have definitely put a dent in the violent crime rate here. Bad people came into our state and thought they could ply their trade and then started getting shot in the face and realized they might want to uh, reconsider their career choices. And that's what a, an armed citizenry is all about. Now, my guest here has been on the program before and will yet be again. And he ran for Florida State Governor back in 2018, actually. And he is also the chairman of the Florida Republican Liberty Caucus and the Brevard County Republican Liberty Caucus here in Florida. And that would make him none other than Mr. Bob White. Bob, always a pleasure. Brother, how you doing, man? I'm doing just great, Royce. Thanks very much for having me on again. Oh, and you'll be on again. Looking forward to it. Unless you piss me off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're a lot bigger than me, so I'm going to avoid that. Oh, I know your arm, too, so it evens it out, all right? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, you are running for 
Little Miss Nikki Freed's seat. Right. The Commissioner of Agriculture. Correct. That is the Florida Department that leases our rights back to us in the form of a permit. That is correct. That is the, that is the department we apply to to ask them on bended knee and if it would please the crown may we exercise our rights freely and they graciously do or don't whatever depending on what's in our background but anyway um you are running for her seat and a lot of people may ask why a republican and especially someone of your constitutional knowledge and prowess is going to seek that position and be in charge of leasing people's rights back to them. Uh, what they don't know is it's because of the person who's running for that position beside you and besides little Miss Nikki, the communist freed. So I'll let you take it from there to explain to the listeners why. I'll be happy to. You know, I had absolutely zero intentions of running for anything right uh this election cycle as you said i had run for governor back in 2018 and uh, you know I, I finished third in the primary uh which is okay out of eight people uh, i felt good about that but the but the thing that that did for us as an organization the republican liberty caucus i was able to go back to the people that i'd met all over the state of florida and uh, and ask them to join with me in building that organization so mm -hmm. we went from we had literally four county chapters at the end of that campaign and within three years we grew it to 30 chapters representing 34 different counties around the state of Florida. Wow. So we've gotten much bigger. We've got some influence now. We have, you know, we've got the legislative elections going on right now. Members of the Florida House and the Senate, uh, people running for, those, uh, running for those offices. And we can't keep up with the number of them that are asking us for the endorsement, for our endorsement. But again, I hadn't, I hadn't planned on running for anything. In fact, the Republican Liberty Caucus had endorsed Chuck Nadd. Uh, you know, Chuck got into the race against Wilton Simpson on the Republican primary side. He was in the race for three weeks and dropped out. Yep. And what and what really made my blood boil and, and got me into this race, Royce, is that the press, every single one of them played that him dropping out exactly the same way. The headlines were Chuck Nadd drops out of the race for commissioner of agriculture paving the way for Royce, paving the way for Wilton Simpson, rather, uh, to have an unobstructed path to the Republican nomination. And what I know about Tallahassee, having been up there back and forth all the time and the uh -huh. players and having met with Wilton Simpson and pinned him down on constitutional carry and red flag and those kinds of things, is that he is the last person in the state of Florida that deserves an unobstructed path yes. to that nomination. So I basically said, you know what, if no one else will run against him, then damn the torpedoes, I'll do it. And so that's why I'm in this race, because I want to do everything that I can to stop Wilton Simpson, because his ultimate goal is not just to be commissioner of agriculture. He wants to be governor. Oh, yeah, as, absolutely. As, as bad as he would be as a commissioner of agriculture, he would be far worse as a governor. So, yes, especially as a pseudo-Republican. Exactly someone right. Someone who uh, professes to... Uh, espouse Republican principles, mm -hmm. but yet his voting record proves otherwise. His Absolutely. own comments prove otherwise. Uh, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing, and I have zero respect for the man. I've got very little respect for most of the people up there in Tallahassee, but uh, him especially. Mm -hmm. And so what I really appreciate is that you see a need. Nobody else has stepped up. And since you know that cesspool better than most people in this county, exactly, uh, you spend a lot of time up there in Tallahassee. 
Uh, I really appreciate you stepping into that role, brother. I mean, it is a, definitely a David versus Goliath kind of fight because that dude's got a lot of money behind him, man, and, and all from the wrong people, too. It, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's shameful what he's done. He has literally sold his office and sold his soul mm-hmm. in exchange for six-figure contributions uh, from every special interest imaginable. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, there's a guy down in uh, Miami. He's an attorney down in Miami. His name is uh, Mike Fernandez. And he's always been you know, a big contributor uh, to different people, different causes, et cetera, et cetera. And he made the comment after, uh, after Parkland happened, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, uh, high school attack, uh-huh. that he was, he was done giving any money at all to any candidate for public office that was not pro-gun control. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you're, not on the, if you're not on the bandwagon for gun control, you're not getting his money anymore. Now, Wilton Simpson, of course, is the guy that sponsored Okay, the, mm. the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas bill. Yep, he he's did the too. reason that we have red flag as a result of that, and he's the reason that 18, 19, and 20 year olds can no longer legally purchase a firearm from a licensed dealer. Yep. Well, here you go. Here it is. This guy, Mike Fernandez, gave Wilton Simpson $250,000. He also gave Andrew Gillum $200,000. Andrew, save a horse, ride a cowboy, Gillum? I can't understand how anybody can reconcile. Voting for a Republican that took $250,000 from the same guy that gave Gillum $200,000 in the same election cycle. I cannot reconcile that. I can't reconcile what an alleged Republican is doing taking money from that person. Yeah, Uh, exactly. You and I both know this, and I know we're speaking to the choir essentially when we say, if someone gives you a large chunk of change, $250,000, it has a hook in it. It does. They're expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. And when they call in that marker, you had better get, you had better deliver. Absolutely. Or they can make things hard for you. You definitely won't get any more of their money, of course. Right. So this is really vile, in my not-so-humble opinion, that a man calling himself a Republican would essentially prostitute himself out, politically speaking, for money. And that's exactly what Wilton has done. I'll give you another couple of quick examples. Uh, There was a bill in the uh, legislative process this past session. It was called the Net Metering Bill. It was written by Florida Power and Light. Their lobbyists, their government consultants wrote the Net Metering Bill. Florida Power and Light gave Wilton Simpson. Now, keep in mind, he's the president of the Florida Senate. So Mm -hmm. if he wants something to pass the Senate, it's going to pass the Senate. Right. But they gave Wilton Simpson $250,000. And he fast-tracked their net metering bill all the way through the process. Now, the problem with the net metering bill very quickly is that, you know, right now in Florida, all of these, all of these utility companies basically are government-regulated monopolies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have free reign over their district within the state of Florida. Nobody can compete with them. But Florida, of course, passed a program to, make, uh, to give incentives to the residential solar industry. So you can power your house with solar power. And if you, if you generate excess power, you can sell it back to the grid. Right. And you also don't have to pay grid maintenance fees that mm-hmm. typical uh, uh, customers do. So that's an incentive-based program. So what the net metering bill would have done is it would have wiped out those incentives, okay? Which means that Florida Power and Light puts millions of dollars in their own pockets over time, okay? And uh, and the solar energy uh, industry uh, suffers as a result of it. So he fast-tracked that bill for them through through the Senate process and and passed it right out. Now. Fortunately, the governor, in his wisdom, vetoed it. 
because he knew exactly what this was. This mm-hmm. was a quid pro quo, pay for play kind of a deal that was going on. Um, another uh, example is there's an engineer, you're going to love this one. There's an engineering and construction firm in Knoxville, Tennessee that gave Wilton Simpson $100,000. Exactly. Why would somebody from Knoxville, Tennessee give Wilton $100,000? Lo and behold, they ended up with a $1.67 million Florida State contract for Everglades restoration. So that angers me on two fronts. Number one, it's pay for play again. They, they uh-huh. stroked Wilton Simpson a $100,000 check. Now, somebody could say, well, it's just coincidence. Okay, believe that if you want, <laughs> you know, but I don't. Yeah. Um, and they end up with a $1.67 million contract. But are there no Florida firms? Are there no Florida yeah. firms that could do that same work? Oh, absolutely, there are. I yeah. know three yes. of them off the top of my head. I was in the building trade and the construction industry as a general contractor for years in the industry itself for 32 years. I could name probably five of them That's exactly right, right here that can handle any of that. They're experienced in all of the large construction projects. Uh, sure. And I could, how come we're not calling them? Right. Exactly right. And one of them is down in Okeechobee, even closer. It'd be sure. a lot less a lot less expensive for him to have to uh, make the, uh, the the logistic arrangements and everything, too. Exactly so, right. Knoxville, Tennessee, though. Yeah. You know, what's really putrid about this, Bob, is this man, after receiving money, zipped this legislation through and it went sailing through the Senate uh, with no obstruction. Right. But yet... When it comes to constitutional issues, has seen to it that constitutional carry here in Florida has gone where? Nowhere. Exactly nowhere. Nowhere. We met with him. When I say we, I mean the board of directors of the Republican Liberty Caucus that I Mm -hmm. chair. Uh, We go to Tallahassee every year uh, for what we call Liberty Lobby Days, and you know we, you know we we meet with a lot of people while we're up there. But we met with Wilton Simpson in his conference room. Uh, for about 45 minutes, and the very first, the very first bill, the very first issue, I should say, on our list of issues that we wanted to review with him was constitutional carry. Mm-hmm. And there was not a bill in the Senate. No one had filed it in the Senate. Right. And the word was out that no one had filed it because Wilton Simpson said, "No, we're not taking that up this year. We don't want to have anything to do with that." And of course, Chris Sprouls was already stonewalling the bill that Anthony Sabatini had introduced. Can I on pause the House you? Side. Sure. You think that might have something to do with the money the guy down south put in his pocket? Well, of course. Oh, absolutely. Boy, the puzzle's coming together, isn't it? Absolutely. So we met with him, and I sat down with him, and I I turned the page around and said, well, you know, the very first issue on our list is probably going to be one. I said, it's not probably. I'm sure it's going to be one that we're going to disagree on. He said, well, what's that? I said, constitutional carry. He said, oh, I'm for that. I said, said, really? He said, oh, yeah, I'm for constitutional carry. I don't know why you think I'd disagree with you on that. He said, in fact— if a constitutional carry bill made it to the Senate floor, I'd vote for it. Now, it's real easy to say that when you know that it's not going to make it to the floor. Yeah, exactly. You, you, know, you, you engineered it not making it. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I so I very quickly said, so sounds to me then, like, like remember, listeners got to remember that there's a deadline for individual members to be able to file a bill. Right. And that deadline passes before the session begins. Okay. But there is no deadline for a committee bill. Any one of the committees can file a bill, right? Okay, and there's no deadline. They can file it in the middle of the session, towards the end of the session. Well, we talked about this on the last podcast you were on, this very same thing. Exactly so, right. Yeah. And he said, yep, I'd be fine with that. If a committee filed a bill, I'd be fine with that. Now, all he's got to do is pick up the phone and call a committee chairman and say, hey, file a bill. That's all he's got to do. Of course, he didn't. 
Shocking. Yeah, and then the other Probably has something to do with some money get put in his pocket by some anti-gun dude down in South Florida. Absolutely. So while he's, I'm sure many of your listeners have seen his television commercial, and it opens, it opens up with what a workhorse he's been and how he's protected our constitutional rights, our Second Amendment has been his priority. (laughs) Every time I see it, I want to throw up. Because it's so not true. And, and then he, and I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He's up there talking about what a great champion he's been of the Second Amendment, and nothing could be further from the truth. I'm telling you, Bob, we're going to take a quick commercial break here because he's not the only jackass that affected constitutional <laughs> rights in this state with the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act and his vote, therefore. And we're going to talk about him when we come back okay. on the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. We're going to hear from our sponsors. So stick around because if you don't, I'll be sending Captain Rob and the listener retention squad to your house to turn your radio back on. And you don't want that. So you better stick around. Be right back. My buddies out of WJS Guns in Merritt Island, Bill Stasak and Dalton and Troy and the gang out there do a fine job taking care of all their customers, including law enforcement officers who want to buy blue label firearms. He's a blue label dealer for multiple manufacturers. Also, very female friendly. They do a great job serving all of their customers. They will get you squared away and well regulated in your Second Amendment rights. He offers handguns, long guns, a great selection of 1791 gun leather brand holsters. Also, body armor, uh, ammunition, uh, magazines. What are you looking for? Bill's got you covered out there at WJS Guns. Check him out at WJSGuns.com. If you want to do some fishing, he's got you covered with fishing tackle. Bill is a total outdoor store, WJSGuns.com. Check them out there. Do make sure you tell them you heard about them on the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. ShootingClasses.com. If you are a firearms instructor, that's the only logical place to run your firearms business from. ShootingClasses.com. You can set up your page there, set up your profile, set up your classes, Take payments there. Your certificates are auto-generated. Rosters are auto-generated. And also sends emails out to your students before the class, reminding them at least a week or two out, they have a class coming up. And uh, I can't find any other platform out there where it makes sense to run your business from if you're a firearms instructor. Everything's right there. Even, Even if you want to print your financial reports come tax time, It's all right there at shootingclasses.com. If you're a student, uh, set up an account out there and you get matched up with some serious, serious firearms instructors. Men like David Boone Benton, Israel Matos, Chris Tonto Peranto, and guys like that. Bill Orndorff, Bruce Corey. Those are the guys that actually founded shootingclasses.com. It is, I'll tell you what, it's genius. And it simply doesn't make sense to try to run your business from any other platform. Shootingclasses.com. I'm Stephen Shoemaker. I serve as a Sergeant E-5 in the United States Marine Corps. Throughout the Corps' rich history, the rifle has been the go-to weapon of choice for all Marines. As we defended ourselves, our brothers, and our country. I am proud to be part of go-to weapons and to have a hand in building high-quality rifles and pistols on the AR platform. Weapons that I would confidently carry into any area of operations as my go-to. We built rifles for both the military 
and the civilian market. We know quality. We build quality. We are quality. Go to weapons. Check us out at go number two weapons.com. Simplify. Counter-Strike Tactical is the best little gun store in Melbourne and proud sponsors of the Shooting Straight Radio Podcast. Visit us at 1008 Strawbridge Avenue and see the custom AR builds by Anthony Vallejo, owner and combat veteran, plus go-to weapons brand rifles, AR-15s, AK-47s, handguns, ammo, tactical rifle accessories, and more. Anthony also offers laser engraving and serifos. So stop in at 1008 Strawbridge Avenue and visit the best little gun store in Melbourne. Or call 321-499-4949 and tell Anthony that Roy sent you. Huge thank yous to the sponsors of the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And I'll tell you what, you guys have kept this program going now for well over seven years from back when it was live on WMMB and iHeartRadio to now uh, on the podcast. And by the way, uh, I, I cannot begin to give shout outs to everybody listening to this podcast in each and every state because uh, this thing has been downloaded now in almost all 50 states, well over 800 American cities and 31 different countries. So I tell you what, you guys rock. I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope it's educational. I hope you're. Uh, I hope it's inspirational. That it uh, encourages you to stay in the fight. That it's that it encourages you to get involved with your government because I harp on that a lot, and I'm not going to stop harping on that. You be involved with your government because your government is dead gum sure involved with you and your life. You be involved with them and theirs. Got my special guest, Mr. Bob White here with me on the program again, and he will be on yet again. He is uh, wading back into the political cesspool of Florida politics. He is going to be running against Mr. Wilton Simpson, uh, an alleged Republican who takes dirty money from dirty people, uh, from Democrats and other people who basically try to, I guess, uh, get him on the hook for whatever they want him to do uh, when he reaches... Uh, the uh, the position of the commissioner of agriculture, and ultimately he presumes the governor's seat in Tallahassee. But we are going to make sure that he never reaches Tallahassee uh, and the governor's seat in particular. And Mr. Uh, Bob White is running against Mr. Wilton Simpson. He is in a David versus Goliath fight, if ever there was one. Uh, Mr. Simpson has a lot of money behind him. And uh, Bob uh, doesn't have those kind of financial resources behind him. But you know what? We need more men like Bob White who are unafraid to get into the get into the fight and stand in there and stand in the gap and make a difference. And that's what being a responsible American is all about. It takes you being in the fight. And Bob, again, I say thank you. I really appreciate you taking this responsibility. It's a stinking huge one, man. I tell you, I, 
I don't, I don't envy you. I, people have asked me, when are you going to run for office? I tell them, never. I forget <laughs> that. I don't, I'll tell you what, I'd be hunting people down. They start slandering my, me and my family in the newspaper, like what's been going on against you and others who have run right. before. Right. Um, no, I don't want to put my family through that. I, I, I just wouldn't want to do that. It's I already a, have plenty of uh, threats and things in my direction from just from doing a podcast. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine what it's like once you try to start running for office. So. Well, but you, you had a conversation with Mr. Simpson, you were saying, and he claimed to be Mr. Second Amendment. And he uh, his ads, uh, I think you said, he uh, are all about, oh, I'm a staunch defender of the Second Amendment. And, and I tell you what, that, that's nauseating. I think you said it would make you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's <laughs> another man who is equally responsible with Mr. Simpson, I, I'm not going to give the man. I'm not going to give the man the pleasure of me mentioning his name here on my program. He doesn't deserve that. Uh, pr- frankly, I think he's a narcissist. Now, am I clinically qualified to give that uh, <laughs> diagnosis? Probably not, but it's just things that I've noticed in talking to him. Uh, and he's uh, the representative of District 53 here in uh, in Florida, and he was. Uh, partly responsible for the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas debacle that they rode through on a wave of emotion in the in the wake of a of a mass murder by a gun, and now they got another one in Uvalde, Texas, and and President Biden is standing out there in front of cameras and blathering, and he's saying we need to cram through these this law, this law, this law, this law, this law. We need to come. We need to ban these weapons. And this man from District 53, actually had the cojones to say, well, Mr. President, you're trying to take our guns. You're going to fig- you're gonna find out real quick what the Second Amendment's all about. And I'm like, dude, he was following your lead. What are you talking about? He even mentioned, Mr. Biden, mentioned the Republicans here in Florida who worked in a bipartisan fashion to cram through the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act in the wake of that tragedy there in Parkland. And I'm like, buddy, I cannot, you're you're a wallowing in hypocrisy. You yourself have had some interesting conversations with that same District 53 representative. So. Well, you know, Royce, it was all I could do not to spray my coffee you know, all over the newspaper uh, when, I, when I read what, what he had said, you know, about teaching Joe Biden what the Second Amendment was all about. And I thought to myself, well, damn, don't you think somebody needs to teach you first? Uh, because I remember very well uh, when he cast that vote uh, to support red flag law and all of the other things that 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 bill did, uh, you know, to basically, to, as you said, to infringe on the constitutional rights of of law abiding Americans. And that, see, that's the thing about what happened down at Parkland. It's the thing that what happened about in Uvalde is because that was a failure of government at every level. In Parkland, local government, school board, county commission, the local sheriff's office. FBI. Tallahassee, yeah, the FBI, the federal yeah. government through the FBI. Government failed at every single level. And the guy was well known yeah. at that very school. He had teachers that had written probably a collectively a hundred different uh, letters or notes about him and shared it with everyone, how this guy should be nowhere near a public school. And yet somehow he manages to do what he does. So the, in, so the knee-jerk reaction of the Florida legislature was, well, we got to do something. 
Yeah, that's that's the call, isn't it? We have to do something. We got to do oh, something. Th that something is always well. Y'all had to give up some more of your rights because of what some punk did. Exactly. No, right. I don't. No, exactly I dad right. blame sure don't. So, so this representative that shall remain nameless um, cast that vote, and immediately after the session, got called on the carpet by every group that he went and spoke to, including ours here locally, and he made certain promises. He said, "Listen." You know, I, I had to do what I had to do, but when I go back up there, I will file uh, bills to repeal that act, to to change all of these things that are that you know that are so bad. And I agree with you; they're bad. I agree with you, but I didn't have any choice. Uh, well, you've Why always not? yes, got a you choice. did have a choice. You've yeah. always got a choice. You're a grown man. Yeah, you're a grown man. You got your own conscience, and you got your own constituents. You know, and and so my friend Mike Hill had a choice, and he told leadership. Mm -hmm. He told leadership, I'm filing this bill because I promised my constituents I would. Mm -hmm. And that was the excuse that this other guy tried to use uh, not to file the bill. He said that, well, Mike Hill had already filed it. And so I asked him point blank. I said, so then you're going to sign on as a co-sponsor. Well, no, you know, I, I don't sign on as co-sponsor anymore because, you know, the bill can change. And then you've got your name on it. And I said, so if the bill changes and you don't like it, you take your name off. Yeah, but, you know, your name was already on there. And so people already think and this, that and the other thing. And so. So your reputation is more important than the Constitution that you swore to uphold and defend. Exactly I got gotcha. you. Right. OK. Exactly. So then I said, he said, and, and, you know, he's filed the whole bill, you know, it's, it's to repeal the whole thing. And I said, well, yeah, but. You should. You then should file three different repealer bills. So what do you mean? I said, well, file a bill to repeal the red flag statute. Yep. File a separate bill to repeal um, the restriction or the prohibition on 18, 19, and 20-year-olds from being able to purchase legally a legal firearm. And then file another repealer bill. I think it was for, you know, uh, removing the ban on bump stocks and other kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I can't do that. He said, you're going to love this. He said, I've only got six bill slots. And I said, you and I both know that repealers don't count towards your six bill slots. You can file an unlimited <laughs> number of repealers. It doesn't matter. He said, and finally he just said, well, he got all frustrated. Said, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to. The bill's already been filed and this kind of thing. So People people sometimes just don't understand the power and the influence of leadership oh, in Tallahassee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They they absolutely control their members um, with an iron hand. They raise more money, millions and millions of dollars, and they use that money to basically keep their membership in line. They yeah. can punish or they can protect. They mm -hmm. can reward or they can punish you. And that's exactly what they did to Mike Hill when he stood up to leadership. They went yeah. and found somebody to run against him, and then they funded her campaign yeah. uh, for her. Um, and so uh, and so, I think that this representative that we're talking about just basically was afraid. He was just afraid to, to stand up to leadership. Well, that, rep that presents two problems for me. Number one, that should not be the system up there in Tallahassee. That needs to get fixed really quick. Matter of fact, we need to pass a law and a bill that eradicates that sort of crap. Because if you ask me, that's nothing more than political organized crime. That is. is that is nothing but political RICO. And 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 the way that it works is that there are there are limits on how much an individual can contribute to a candidate's campaign account. Right. All right. I'm running for statewide office. The limit is three thousand dollars. That you or your wife or any individual can contribute to my campaign account. But the law allows me to have something called a political committee. 
with an entirely separate bank account from my campaign. And typically they name their political committees great sounding kinds of names. Wilton Simpson, my opponent, has four different political committees in addition to his campaign account. Oh, wow. And, and, and so that's what, when we say that, you know, that he's raised, that he got 250000 from this guy, Fernandez, who also gave Gillum $200,000. They make those contributions into their campaign accounts. And then they can use their campaign account to pay for television advertising, mail pieces, radio, newspaper, you name it. They can fund their campaigns out of that. The only thing that's different is it has a different disclaimer on the bottom. It'll say paid for by Jobs for Florida Political Committee, you know, and, and so or paid for by uh, Floridians for Truth, Justice in the American Way, whatever somebody happens to name their political committee. Right. That's the disclaimer that appears on the bottom of it. And these political committees can make contributions to each other. So that if you, <laughs> if U.S. Sugar dumps a million dollars into their own political committee and then spreads that out to four or five others who then ultimately give the money to a candidate's political committee, the candidate just has to report the name of the last political committee that gave them the money. They don't have to track it all the way back to U.S. Sugar. We've referred to this, I've referred to this as the legal laundering of campaign uh, cash. That's exactly what I was going to call it, money and you, laundering. And when you have the power that the Senate president or the Speaker of the House has, you can raise millions and millions of dollars, way more than the rank and file members can. And then that's how they hold them all in line. Well, what ticks me off about this is that tells me that money does more in Tallahassee than the voice of the people. It does. That's why that crap needs to get flushed up there. We need to give Tallahassee a giant enema. Absolutely. And uh, so that's well, how I feel about that. You know, we, we've been we've been working on campaign finance reform for years now. And the problem that you've got is that they all like it that way. Exactly. They're not going to vote themselves out of some money. You kidding they, me? They all love it that way. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and we get we get versions of the bill that get introduced and uh, and and occasionally you get a few co-sponsors on it. And then the next year it doesn't go anywhere. So it's it's up and down. It's, it's, it runs hot and cold. There's a lot of people up there that see the need for it, but they're not going to touch it as long as leadership doesn't want it. Uh, well, I actually had a very abrupt conversation with District 53 rep myself mm-hmm. at WMMB back when I was live on the air. He was there on uh, uh, the morning show, and I was happy, happened to be pulling into the back parking lot because I had to go in and take care of some business with the management there at WMMB. And I heard him on there, and the host was pinning him down right and left, and he didn't know whether to scratch his watch or wind his butt. (laughs) He had told the host before, I'll debate Royce on his own program on the Second Amendment. The host had told him, he will hand you your butt on a platter. You have no idea what you're talking about. Right. I walked into that studio as soon as I saw the the on-air light go off, and as soon as I did... Mr. District 53 looked up and then his face turned in. I, I, you can almost read someone's face sometimes. Sure. You could read as if someone wrote on it with a magic marker. Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked over to him and I said, I wonder, if you could def- I wonder if you could define the word infringed for me. And he immediately started saying, well, well we, you know, broken, violated. Exactly. Broken, violated. It also means hindered. Right. Or delayed. Mm-hmm. Those are also forms of infringement. Right. And I started going into him about the things that he, you know, had voted for. And he kept trying to talk over me until I finally erupted at him and said, don't talk over me again. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. That is rude. Uh-huh. And then he put his hands up on the surrender motion like, oh, okay. And I laid back into him again. I told him, you 
this, this, you're in here talking about, you're trying to defend what you did. Mm-hmm. It's indefensible. Right. You can't, you, you know, you, along with so many other Florida reps, yes, you're not the only one. I understand that. But right. you're the one putting yourself out here on the air and mm-hmm. talking about how, well, you know, how wonderful, you know, how you just had to do what you had to do. Right. And uh, he actually told me, well, the Second Amendment doesn't say you have the right to purchase firearms. I'm like, um, if it says you have the right to keep them, then you have the right to acquire them. Right. And if that means an exchange of money, then so be it. So, well, back then they all made their own guns. I was like, um, no, they didn't. Many of them did, but not all of them. Right. Most of them, well, most of them bought rifles and such. Matter of fact, a lot of the rifles supplied to our colonists as the war progressed came from France. Sure. And uh, so. We went back. We went back and forth, and he just flat out was not going to say, "Okay, I did the wrong thing." Mm-hmm. He was so set in, "No, you can't. You can't hold me down to that." It was that kind of defense. Right. Just, he would not listen. Sure. And that is the kind of crap that just ticks me off. Now that you're telling me this about the good old boy network up there. I have an understanding as to why he did it. doesn't excuse it. No, it does not. But obviously he is more concerned about his political career than he is upholding and defending the Constitution and doing what's right according to the people. And that pisses me off really bad right there. Well, and unfortunately, he's not the only one. No, I know it's, he's not. Uh, it's, it's, it's a disease, basically, that ran through... And we, you know, Royce, we send people up there all the time and we have these high hopes for them. Yeah. You know, because because they're, they're running for the very first time. They seem to have a good head on their shoulders. They seem to have all of their priorities in line. Um, they seem, you know, they answer all the questions correctly on the Constitution. And, and, yeah. and they, you know, they, they give us a commitment that they're going to hold true to it. And they all end up drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Rare is the one that doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. They the love all drink of money it at some point. Is still the root of all evil. It is. If you love money mm-hmm. more than you love your country, more than you love your mm-hmm. constitution, more than you love your constituents, right. uh, you'll sell out. Sure. It you gotta have a spine. Right. You've gotta have the principles. You gotta have the kind of spine it takes to get into a David versus Goliath fight with some well heeled Republican up there, alleged Republican. Right. Uh and, right. and that that's the kind of people we need. Well, you know, I'm I'm very late getting into the race for a couple of reasons. One is already talked about how we were gonna support Chuck Nadd and then he dropped out of the race. But the other reason I'm a little late getting into the race is because I just had surgery on May the fourth. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. Brain surgery of all things. Yeah. And so that's that delayed me by another full, you know, it's been a month today. I think your opponent should be the one under the knife up there for brain it, surgery. It, yeah, not yeah. You. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. So, but here's the thing. I mean, your listeners, this is so key. If you just look at the number of concealed carry permittees right here in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you know, most of these people vote. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, if we could just rally them to this cause. We could win this thing. In yeah. spite of the millions and millions and millions of dirty money that the guys got, we could win this. If we yes. could just find a way to get the word out to the concealed carry community or the gun community is what I should call it. The mm-hmm. 2A community is what I should call it. Um, then then we could win this thing. Well, because I'm sure, uh, knowing you like I know you, uh, if and when you take that position as commissioner, I'm sure you would be more than happy 
to see that concealed carry program go by the wayside and focus on the other duties of agricultural commissioner. Of course. Uh, because I know your stance on constitutional carry. You've been up there actually fighting for it. Absolutely. As opposed to your opponent, opponent who's been fighting against it the Absolutely. whole time. Absolutely. Only, the only reason that I can see to keep any kind of a concealed carry permitting process is for reciprocity. Yes. Reciprocity sake with other states. Other and, states. And I have no problem with that. Right. But I but think it should be that, your choice. Yes. If you want to carry without a permit, without the state's permission, I already say right here and now, you have that right. I agree. They passed illegal laws that said we don't. And literally, to me, that's an act of aggression against us and our rights. It's a holdover from the Jim Crow days. Mm -hmm. So essentially, they're not just uh, infringing the rights of black Americans. Now they're including any American who wants to freely exercise a right they were born with. And they're saying, uh, no, not that we say you can. And you have to pay us money if you want our permission. That's exactly right. And there's no difference between that and what they're doing up there in the political system in Tallahassee. If you want to get elected uh, and you want money, well, you got to do what we say. Absolutely. And it's not just Tallahassee now. We've seen the battle move to the federal government. Oh, yeah. And our two United States senators, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott. Oh, my goodness. You know, are the guys that are driving. They're driving the federal red flag statute, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's just it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And uh, if, if the federal government had their way, if the left had their way, then they would ultimately drive us to the point where owning a firearm would be illegal. Yeah. Under any circumstances. And we simply they're, they're can't heading for that, brother. Yeah. We, we, we both know that yeah. because yeah. Uh, they they want to take our firearms because whether people think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this, I am not. They don't want us armed because they plan on doing things to us. They know we'd have the right to shoot them for. Right. Right. Uh, let, right. Let's just be honest about it. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, listen, you and I both know this. I mean, we're preaching to the choir here. But there is a political party in Washington that is waging literal war against this country from the inside. And one of them resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue there, his fraudulency. And whoever's behind the scenes writing the stuff on his teleprompter. Uh, this, this, What's going on here? Uh, the financial warfare going on against us. Food distribution places being suddenly burned down all over the country. Uh, multiple disarmament bills going on here in this country. We do that against our enemies. Absolutely. We wage sanction warfare against them. We try to do everything we can to keep them from being armed. We do everything we can to break them monetarily. And if it means wrecking their fuel supply, then we do that too. They're doing that to us here. And if they think I'm about to give up my gun in the face of that, oh boy, have they got a thing coming, brother. Right. Well, and you know, you mentioned food, you mentioned security and food security. We've been talking a lot about the gun aspects of this office, but you know, I've done a lot of work and a lot of research into, you know, into things like food security and water security. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a, those are critical issues here in Florida. Yes, sir. You know, the water supply in Florida, uh, with our very, our very high water table and the, with the Everglades and in, in the distress that it's in and Lake Okeechobee and the Kissimmee River having been straightened by the Army Corps of Engineers, we got a lot of work to do on protecting our water supply and everybody needs to remember, Florida is a state of like 22 million people right now, yeah. headed to 30. Yes. And beyond. Because so, a lot of people are fleeing the communist-occupied territories well, of New York, California, absolutely. and others. So, so we've got to we've got to make sure that we, you know, that we are taking a long, hard look at how we protect our water supply, 
for both residents and for agriculture. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we have to have both and and food security. So yeah, you got water is a huge issue, and then you got food security is another huge issue. Yes. Um, you know, and and so I'm I'm very proud. I just got an endorsement from a guy down in uh, in Collier County in Naples, a guy named Alfie Oaks down there. And everybody, anybody that's listening right now in Collier County and probably in in uh, Lee County as well, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about, uh, because this guy is a visionary when it comes to agribusiness, and uh, he also has a store named Seed to Table where literally it's the most it's it's the most out, out most incredible. Uh, grocery store that you've ever seen in your life. It's uh, all, probably all organic, and most of the product is stuff that he's grown on his farms. Wow! And no brought kidding. them in. Wow! And uh, now there are some other growers that have their products in there as well, but most of it is his. It's a beautiful store, and it's got restaurants, little small restaurants scattered throughout it, a couple of bars in different places scattered throughout it. The place is always jam packed with people, but this is this is organic, right off the farm. Seed to table is the name of it. Right off the farm, straight to a store. No middlemen, none of that. And um, so we're looking at a model based based on what he's doing there yeah. for co-ops that we could put in in different places around the state of Florida so that smaller farmers, now he's a big farmer, but smaller farmers ought to have a place where if they want to, they can bring their they can sure, bring their products absolutely. straight to the public. Oh, I'd buy it a heartbeat. I'd rather shop local any Abs- day of the absolutely. week. Absolutely. And you can do that, and not just with farmers, but with people that are raising chickens yes. or eggs in their backyards. Yes. You know, uh, they, they generate more eggs than they could ever use themselves. Give them oh, a place yeah. to bring it. Oh, ain't nothing and, better and than it. a farm fresh egg that hasn't gone through the pasteurization sure. process. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. The flavor is so much richer on those things. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh. So we're looking at, we're not just, you know, I'm not just running to to defend the Second Amendment, although that's a big part of it, is keeping Wilton Simpson and his hand, dirty hands off of that process and ultimately keeping him out of the governor's mansion, mm-hmm. uh, which is where he ultimately wants to go. Uh, we're also running because we need work. You know, we need a, we need an agriculture commissioner that doesn't have his eye on a higher office. Right. Okay. And is not posturing, always posturing for a higher office. We need an agricultural commissioner that is going to stand up for all farmers, all ranchers, not just the agribusiness giant corporate uh, models, you know, not just the U.S. sugars. Not just uh, the and, ones putting money in your pocket and your And campaign. by the way, yeah. U.S. sugar has given tons of money to Wilton Simpson. Uh-huh. I mean... We're finding as we travel the state of Florida, we're finding there's a there's a huge segment of the of the farm and and cattle industry that doesn't care for Wilton because they know him. Mm-hmm. They know that he's all about the giant corporate farmers yep. and the giant corporate ranchers. That's all he cares about because they're the ones that can give him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. But the family farmer, the mod, the moderate sized farmer, um, you know, they need they need help too, and they need somebody yes, that's going to pay attention to their needs and not just the needs of these giant guys. Yeah, we so. we need to think about this too because uh, one sure way to uh, force us into having to use our Second Amendment rights is to cause a food shortage. Uh, once the grocery stores get stripped bare, where do you think they're going to find food? The mobs that form will be going into neighborhoods. Absolutely. And they will set your house on fire if necessary to drive you out of it. Sure. Uh, but they're going to come in there and if they have to kill you to take your refrigerator, uh, what's in your refrigerator and your pantry, uh, they'll do it. Right. So each state should be food independent, water independent. I'm sick to death of the fact that the federal government is always giving our tax dollars to other states and spreading it right. around like candy. 
Uh, that's a whole different podcast, and I don't even want to get into that right now. But <laughs> right. one more thing. Uh, what could you possibly do uh, in the position of agricultural commissioner to speed up the permitting process? Is there is there something... Uh, I know, you, I know, will work within the confines of the law, unlike the pot-smoking Bolshevik up there in right. the office now. <clears throat> right. Um, so is there is there anything that you'd be able to do that you could see to speed up permitting process? Well, the, re- the way to speed it up is to just not infringe it. But, amen. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what Nikki Freed's done. She's well, done everything that she can do to slow it down. Yes. So just get that heavy hand of government off the process I mean, I remember I remember applying for my uh, for my concealed carry and was told that it could be an eight week process. I think I had it in two or three weeks mm-hmm. back from the state of Florida. And and uh, so th- there ought to be some kind of almost for anyone that wants to, there ought to be a way to have it be almost instantaneous. Well, it should be, because you know? if you got to go through a background check to buy a firearm and that's instantaneous. Right. Um Why we I can go right now. If my permit was expired, I can go to a county office and simply get my photo taken, reaffirm that everything is still true, right? And walk out the same day with a re- with a replacement with sure. a with a renewed one. Mm-hmm. Why can't that be the same way for the initial one? Okay, go through the fingerprinting thing, whatever. The fingerprints are going to be on file. Right. Run a background check on them immediately. Right. Uh, they don't cross check those fingerprints. They don't have exactly. time to, exactly. but they have them on file. Mm-hmm. Okay, run that $5 background check right there on the spot and let us walk out with the darn thing right there. That, that, that would That's an easy step and an easy thing to implement. Right. But I, I don't understand why it should take 90 days. Probably, Royce, nobody's just ever taken the initiative. Well, that's a great that's a great honest answer, and I you appreciate know? that. Yeah. And of course, she's not about to take the initiative. She she's not. No. Neither is she, Wilton Simpson. She. Oh no, heck no. And she, you know, chortles and joys in the fact that she has stripped some people of their permit uh, because they were in Washington D.C. on January sixth. Right. Uh, uh, that's totally illegal for one thing. Until they've been convicted, you have no business taking. A permit from them. I understand there's certain there's a provision in Florida law that claims she can. Uh, that's illegal too, as far it as needs, I'm that needs to be addressed. Yes, a- absolutely, abso- absolutely need, needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. You know, speak, speaking of addressing things, I got to go back to Wilton again to this conversation that we had with him, where we told him that um, you know that we had another bill, frankly, that said that um, it was it had been filed in the House by our our very own uh, uh, Tyler Saroy. Uh, it was not a companion bill in the Senate, but it was a bill that said that, you know, if if under the red flag law, you have your firearms taken from you, if you can't afford an attorney, one would be provided for you. That's what that was, that's what Tyler's bill would do. It would correct. Oh, that's what Tyler's bill, because right now that's not the... It's yeah. not the case. You're right, because the, the way the bill was written by Wilton Simpson, mm-hmm. uh, it's a civil infraction, not a criminal infraction, so the state doesn't supply an attorney for you. Right. So we told I told that to, to Wilton, our, and I, look, we got 12 witnesses, because there was 12 of us sitting in there. And I said, so at the very least, provide legal counsel for somebody that can't afford it. He said, we do that. I said, no, sir. I said, no, sir, you don't. Of course we do. We always do that. I said, absolutely not. You know, why would they be filing a bill on the House side if that was the case already? It's not the case. And he argued back and forth with me. And finally, he looked over to the wall. He had one of his aides sitting in a chair against the wall. And she looked at him and said, they're right. 
it's we don't supply an attorney. It's a civil infraction and not a criminal infraction. And he said he immediately, oh, well, we're going to fix that. We've got to correct that oh, right sure away. Oh, sure you will. Now, sure here's will. the point. Here's the point. That was the second week of the legislative session. There were eight more weeks to go. It's a phone call. For the Senate president, it's a phone call. He calls whomever he wants and says, listen, tack on an amendment to whatever bill you've got going through the process that has anything to do with firearms, and let's correct this. One phone call. That's all it would have taken. If he had wanted it done, it would have been done. He didn't want it done, so he didn't make the phone call. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced of it. Well, that's why he doesn't need to be holding office anywhere, anywhere in Florida ever again, anywhere in the country ever again. As far as I'm concerned, he's unfit for it. Um, frankly, he should be flipping burgers at a fast food joint. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's not, uh, he's just not fit for the office. Um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And he feels he has it Mm -hmm. not to mention lots of money behind him on top of that. Um, it takes a man with some serious principles and morals to not be corrupted by that. Right. Uh, I'm not giving him an out when I say that I'm just flat out saying he doesn't have the spine and the testicular fortitude to do what's right because he's corrupted by power and money. We've got enough of that crap going on, not just in Tallahassee, in every state, right? Uh, in, in many counties throughout this state, right? Uh, and definitely in our federal government. It, it also exemplifies the fact that we, the people, had darn well better start getting more involved. And I harp on this. You've heard me harp on it. Sure. Don't tell me you're willing to pick up a gun to defend your country if you're not even willing to pick your phone up and call your local representatives, your state representative, your uh, the representatives in Congress on Capitol Hill. If you don't even have the time or want to take the time to even do that, just don't tell me that you are going to defend America and the Constitution when they start trying to kick doors in and take our guns. You won't. You'll give them no. up. You'll give them up for a couple of cans of tuna fish because yeah. you're hungry or whatever. Yeah, so, absolutely. I believe that. Bob, I wish you the best in this endeavor. How can anybody contribute to your campaign? Very easily. If you go to my website, which is wwwbobwhite 4 That's the number four. Number Bob four. White number four, florida.com. Right on the front page, there's a little button down at the bottom of the front page that says donate. Okay. Click on that and you can donate right there online. And I just want to tell your listeners, any amount of money is helpful. Don't feel like, you know, like you don't have enough to make a difference. I don't care whether it's 10 or 20 bucks, you know, that would be great. We'd Mm -hmm. be very appreciative. And the max, the max for people that want to step up is uh, and make a bigger contribution. The maximum amount to my campaign account is $3,000. Well, if a million people in Florida, uh, and we have, what, almost 2 million concealed carriers? That's right. If they each gave 20 bucks, we'd blow Simpson out of the water. We'd be, at least we'd be caught up. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, yeah. you definitely got a contribution coming from the host here for Thank sure. You. Thank and, you. And uh, absolutely, man, I really appreciate you. Thank you for stepping into this gap. It takes a, takes a big spine and a big heart to do that. Somebody's got to. Somebody, and, and that's the thing. That's the attitude that we all need to have. Someone's yeah. got to step in. Someone's got to do something, and you're doing that. Thank you for it, Bob. My pleasure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Go to Bob White, number four, Florida, and make a contribution to this man. 
He is in a heck of a political fight. He is the proverbial David versus the proverbial Goliath in the political world here in uh, the state of Florida and Tallahassee in particular. So let's get this man put up there in the office where he belongs. Let's keep Mr. Wilton Simpson out of it. And by the way, I will say right here for the record, I wholeheartedly endorse you for this position of uh, agricultural commissioner. You have my endorsement. And anytime you need, need me to make that public beyond this forum, you let me know. We'll be putting that on our website probably next week. Fantastic. We've got a series of endorsements that we're going to be releasing like, you know, a day at a time. You want me to write you one out? Yeah. If you want to give me just a brief comment about it. And send Absolutely. It to me, I think we've probably got a picture somewhere of the two of us together. I'll send you one that's a real flattering of my good side. <laughs> okay. The back. The back. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for hanging with me and Mr. Bob White. And we'll catch you on the next one. Until then, keep your powder dry. Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your gun loaded. Keep your wits about you. And never forget that incoming rounds always have the right of way. Royce and Bob are out. So turn it.